this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Well, good morning. Today is our last morning from hitting the highlight reel of the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. This is the longest teaching discourse in all of the Gospels from Jesus. And I want to mention before I get started here is that uh, this Wednesday happens to be Ash Wednesday. It is Ash Wednesday is marks the beginning of the 40-day Christian season of Lent. And Ash Wednesday is the day that we literally mark ourselves with ashes, this symbol of sin and death, as a reminder of our own sin, as a reminder of our own death. And as much as that might not sound like a good time to you, I promise you, I happen to think Ash Wednesday is one of the most meaningful services of the year because it's so honest and so real and I hope you'll come. It's Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Logos is still happening from 5 to 7. Actually, all the kids that are here for Wednesday night are going to be worshiping at 6 o'clock for Ash Wednesday. But our passage today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. And if you have your Bibles or pew Bibles or apps, I hope you'll get those out and read along with me today in chapter 5 of Matthew Verse 38. Now remember, this is uh, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to hear another challenging word today. Jesus begins by saying, you have heard it said, speaking of his own tradition, Jewish tradition, and sometimes he upholds it, and sometimes he sets the bar even higher. So here we are, 538. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants you to sue, take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, if these words didn't come across as being hard to hear, it ends with Jesus telling us to be perfect. But the word perfect, of course, we think of perfect as without mistake, flawless. But the word in Greek is telos, which really means to be mature, fully realized for its end purpose. To talk about a tree um, that is growing fruit. It's about 
more about becoming who you are supposed to be in this sense. And so Jesus says to be telos. One temptation, I think, with these really hard passages from Jesus is that we hear them and we immediately just want to raise the white flag and say, I'm sorry, this is, this is too hard. I'm just going to have to beg for forgiveness on this one because this is just feels too impossible to do. Like me doing the backflip out of the pulpit today. You can tell me to do it, but I can't do it. It just feels too hard. And so we just want to move on with these passages. Just skip them. But I'm mindful, there's a famous playwright, G.K. Chesterton, and he said, he has this famous quote about Christianity, and he says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Jesus says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your coat and give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Of course, the eye for an eye was meant as a means for restraint, to keep violence from escalating and getting out of control. If someone hurt you, an eye for an eye was a way to keep the retribution from going crazy. If someone hurt you, Maybe you'd go to his village and burn the whole place down. An eye for an eye was meant to keep restraint, to keep violence from escalating. And yet here is Jesus saying real restraint, real maturity is to not return violence at all. Real maturity will be when the Roman soldier forces you to carry his bags for a mile and you decide to carry it for two. Real strength will come when he hits you and you turn and give him the other cheek to hit as well. First of all, take no, this isn't Jesus excusing the violence or even power and control. He's speaking to people who are making a choice. He's giving examples for people who are choosing to use what power they do have and how they are going to respond. They are using their own power to choose a form of resistance. It's the very principles of the civil rights movement. Uh, I think of the Montgomery bus boycott. I looked this up. I had no idea. The Montgomery bus boycott in the 1960s, 13 months, 13 months, people chose to walk to work and walk home rather than ride a bus that played into a system that saw them as less than. 13 months, people were choosing a different response. As King said, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can drive out hate. King took this whole structure for the civil rights movement straight out of the playbook from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Turn the other cheek. We, we use that expression as a way to sort of ignore what someone's doing to you. But it's not ignoring. It's literally saying, I'll give you the other cheek to hit as well. It's active protest. It's resistance against violence and fear. It's showing people who can and can't control you. If a Roman soldier makes you carry his bag for a mile, carry it for two. We can't forget that these first century people were living under the strong arm of the Roman Empire. 
Rome had all the power. There's no Bill of Rights, there's no Miranda Rights, no, uh, you know, a, what is it? You have a right to remain silent, and if you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. No, there's none of that. Rome had all the power and all the control. There's even an example of this in Jesus' final moments of life before the cross. There's a man in Scripture, Simon of Cyrene. His one mention in Scripture is just because he happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, standing in Jerusalem, watching Jesus struggle to carry the cross out to Golgotha. A Roman soldier pulled him out of the crowd and made him carry Jesus' cross for a while. Rome could do that. They had all the power and all the control. And here is Jesus saying, My disciples will show their telos, who they are and who they follow, by taking a different path. They'll carry that bag for two miles if they have to, just to show Rome they don't have the final say. Jesus' disciples will love without strings attached. Jesus' disciples will love those without deciding if they deserve it first. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. No, he says, love your enemy too. He's tossing out the rule book. He's, talking, he's tossing out the scorecard, the idea that you only have to love if someone's lovable. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? I think of this famous quote from Dorothy Day. And if you don't know Dorothy Day, the Catholic worker movement, look her up sometimes. It's a fascinating life. And what she said, this quote that always and forever haunts me, and she said, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. Jesus knows that God loves us with a perfect love, a love that doesn't keep score, a love with no strings attached, and he dares his disciples to choose another way, to choose love, especially when people don't deserve it, to bless when you really would like to curse someone. It reminds me of a priest who was given a homily one day, and he decided to have an interactive sermon, and he said to his congregation, Raise your hand if you feel like you have many enemies. If you have a lot of people who hate you and people you hate. And a few brave people raise their hand. They said, now raise your hand if you have maybe just two or three enemies in the world. And a few more people raise their hand. Finally, he said, well, please raise your hand if you feel like you have one person in the world who you would say is an enemy. And more hands go up. And finally, he said... Now raise your hand if you would say you don't have any enemies in this world. And one man raised his hand. And he said, please stand up. And it happened to be a 98-year-old lifetime member of the church. And he said, sir, are you telling... He was just so proud. And he said, sir, are you telling me that you have come to this season in your life, and you're telling me you don't have a single enemy in the world. And he said, no, all those suckers died. <laughs> and here's the thing. I tell you that little joke because 
I personally think it would have been so much easier if Jesus walked onto that mount and said to all that crowd of people, I love my enemies. I bless the people who persecute me. When a Roman soldier makes me carry his bags, I'm going to carry it twice as long as he tells me to. And when he hits me, I'm going to give him the other cheek to hit as well. I give to everybody and anybody who asks of me. And I feel like the crowd just would have gone wild, like, yes, Jesus, you are awesome, you're amazing, we're such a fan. But the truth is, Jesus doesn't ask for admirers. He asks for followers. Take up your cross and follow me. He asks for followers. But don't you know how the world works? Jesus is describing to us different way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's inviting his disciples to be a people who put down the scorecard, to put down that list of who is worthy and who is not, who is in and who is out, who deserve God love and who has yet to earn it. He invites us to look at the world and all the people in it with every intention to bless rather than to curse and to give without expectation of what we're going to get in return and to choose love over hate again and again and again, especially when it's hard to do. That is telos. That is who we're called to be. And I wonder this week, what might hold you back from that? You know, this is coming up on Ash Wednesday, and the Christian season of Lent is supposed to be a time of reflection for all Christians to, to look within their lives, to ask themselves, what, what, where am I on my own Christian path and journey and walk towards Christ? And I'm wondering this morning, what might be getting in the way of your own path? What's something that just keeps holding you back? You know, I like to go walking at Mar Park, and for, I don't know why, but this happens regularly, I get like a tiny little pebble in my shoe, and every single time, I try to do the same thing. I try to just ignore it, because I don't want to stop. So I try to ignore this little pebble in my shoe and keep on going, but it just <laughs> keeps bothering me until I finally stop and tend to it. And so I'm wondering, what's that pebble in your own faith today that you think might be holding you back? Is it your pride, your selfishness, an addiction you've yet to face? Is it your own fears? Or is there someone in your life that you truly find hard to love? What's that pebble in your shoe that's holding you back from becoming the person Christ is calling you to be. For Jesus, faith is never a box we check, but a decision we do each and every day. We choose again and again and again to walk more fully closer to the person God is calling us to be. On the good days, but especially the hard ones. Let's close in prayer this morning. God, we confess to you that we love our rule books. 
We love our scorecards, and we really love to level the score. And yet you invite us to choose a different way, to measure our life by the blessings we seek to give and the love we offer without strings attached. And we thank you, God, for the perfect love of your son, Jesus, who has shown us the way. For we know in our heart of hearts it really is the path of freedom. So give us courage to continue to walk closer towards you, to the person you are calling us to be. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.